This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. And welcome to Ohio Mysteries. You're listening to Clip of Send Me by Megan Rochelle, a Christian pop artist from Akron, Ohio. Megan is our featured Ohio musical artist tonight, so hang out with us to the end of the podcast. We'll tell you all about her and let you listen to that entire song. But right now, let's throw another log on the fire, campers. Let's dig up a new Ohio mystery. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with me is our award-winning journalist, Paula Schleiss, who spent 30 years telling these kinds of stories for the Acro Beacon Journal. Hi, everyone. Steve, If you can't see me, but if you could, I've got this big smile on my face because I love UFO stories. Do you love them as much as I do? Oh, you know I do, but you know who else loves them? Probably more than we do is our who? audience. Our, our listeners love the UFO stories. Oh, boy. Well, let's hope we can make them happy tonight because we've got a great case that I bet most of them have never heard of. Now, Ohio has had a handful of interesting UFO sightings over the years. Some made the news. You'll remember we did this fascinating case out of Portage County in 1966 in which sheriff deputies chased a spacecraft all the way into Pennsylvania It made the papers and stayed there for a couple of weeks. Tonight's case wasn't like that. This is a case out of Trumbull County in which law enforcement officers from five different agencies in the county all saw it and pursued it. And yet it was never made public. It only came to light years later when a UFO researcher stumbled across it by accident. And that led to some national interest in the case and two people who were willing to come forward to speak, a Liberty Township 911 dispatcher named Roy Ann Rudolph and a Liberty Patrol officer, Sergeant Toby Maloro. Tonight's research and their stories come from three different sources I used, a 2011 TV show called Paranormal Witness, a book called UFO Dispute, and an episode on the Art Bell radio program. Steve, I know you're a huge fan of Art Bell. Huge fan. Well, we don't have to go back too far for this one. Just 1994. In early December that year, 
There had been a couple of random calls from Trumbull County residents asking about a bright light moving in the sky over their backyards. The calls were kind of dismissed, but they couldn't be ignored anymore on December 14, the day that all hell broke loose. It was just after midnight, and Liberty Township Police Sergeant Toby Maloro was sitting in a donut shop with some other officers. I know, cliche, but that's where they were. It was an unseasonably warm night. Mid-December, he wasn't even wearing a coat. Warm nights almost always mean a busier shift. There were probably going to be some bar fights, maybe some folks out causing general mischief. Maloro had just completed the first call of his shift, a domestic altercation between a man and a woman. Now it was time to fill out a report and wait for the next call. When the next call came, it wasn't over the radio clipped to his shoulder. It came in the form of a private phone call. The caller was Roy Ann Rudolph, a dispatcher in the Trumbull County 911 Center that handled calls for the great majority of the county. Roy Ann was using the phone because she didn't want anyone on the radio, which was accessible to public scanners, to hear what she had to say. And she certainly didn't want it preserved on the system that records dispatch calls. Just a few minutes earlier, Roy Ann had fielded a call from a man who was calm, but clearly nervous about something in the sky he was having trouble describing. It was over a vacant field off Samson Drive by Fifth Avenue in a quiet little residential area. He said it sort of looked like a fighter plane with flames shooting out the back, and it was coming down slowly at an angle. At one point, the object looked to be no more than 50 feet off the ground. Then the object moved higher in the sky and slowly headed north. Now there's an Air Force Reserve base near Youngstown, Roy Ann thought, and planes headed there do fly over Liberty Township. Were they having trouble with a plane? The man on the phone didn't sound like he was watching a plane crash, but you never know. Roy Ann told her fellow dispatchers to be prepared. There might be a plane crash in the making. And that's when the next call came in. A mother and a daughter, very excited about some lights they were watching in the sky over their backyard. It didn't look like a plane to them. There was no noise. Whatever was up there was hovering. The third call came from local media asking about what was going on. Roy Ann didn't want the media to make a big deal out of a couple of crackpots, so she made a joke. Why would they come to Liberty? There's no intelligent life in Liberty, Roy Ann quipped, before venturing a guess that what they were seeing was probably a weather balloon. No need to panic, Roy Ann said. We're not having war of the worlds here. But as she hung up with a reporter, yet another call came in. Again, something in the sky over Samson Drive a bluish-purple glow, fire coming out the back, not an airplane. If something significant was happening, Roy Ann was not going to be accused of not passing it on, so she picked up that phone to call Sergeant Maloro, an officer she had gotten to know pretty well in her years with law enforcement. If it makes me sound nutty, she thought, it's just between Toby and I. 
So back to that donut shop. Sergeant Maloro was lifting a coffee to his lips when his phone rang. Roy Ann, on the other end, began, This is going to sound really crazy. It was a Wednesday, but Sergeant Maloro was used to people on any night of the week getting drunk and looking for silly ways to entertain themselves. He just chuckled. Look, Roy Ann said, tell me you went there. Tell me you saw nothing. We'll be great. And so Sergeant Maloro told his fellow officers to keep an eye on his coffee. He needed to run out and check something, but he'd be right back. Then he started heading towards Samson Drive. No speeding, no siren, no lights. It was only three minutes away. But before he got there, an older man ran to his car yelling, please stop, please stop. The man was alone on an otherwise deserted street. He looked frightened, even dazed and confused. He fought to catch his breath while muttering something about a big white light over his house. Maloro couldn't help himself. He leaned in to see if he could smell any alcohol on the man's breath, but he couldn't. Maloro promised to check it out and headed in the direction that the man was pointing. He only got perhaps another 200 feet when he saw it, a light in the distance. He called Roy Ann to tell her he had a visual. And as Maloro started explaining what he was looking at, the words left his lips, flying saucer. Back at the dispatch center, Roy Ann was thinking, oh no, not Toby too. Worse yet, he had said it over the radio and just about all on-duty officers in Trouble County had heard it. Maloro told Roy Ann he was going to try and get closer. Meanwhile, she placed a call to the Air Reserve Base to see if this thing belonged to them. The man in the control tower, he was cordial and calm. Royanne was even a bit embarrassed at having to ask, but she explained the call she had been fielding and shared what Sergeant Maloro had experienced. Was this an Air Force craft? And if not, did they see anything on their radar? Nope, the man told her. It wasn't theirs, and there wasn't a thing on radar within miles of Youngstown. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. 
So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. Well, back on the street, Sergeant Maloro was in pursuit of the object. He was still hoping to get a better angle, something he would recognize so he could be confident that he did his duty and then he could get back to his coffee in the donut shop. But Sergeant Maloro wasn't getting anywhere. That's because after driving just a few more blocks, his car stopped. Everything electronic in the vehicle died. The keys in the ignition, he turned them, nothing. The headlights wouldn't work. He checked his portable radio, it didn't work. His car phone, nothing. He was completely on his own. Back in the dispatch center, Royanne was calling him, radioing him, asking him to check in. She wanted to share the news, or rather lack of news, from the airbase. But Sergeant Maloro wasn't answering her. Now, in law enforcement, if an officer doesn't respond, that's a crisis. Royanne immediately sent reinforcements to Sergeant Maloro's last known location. Suddenly, something that seemed like playful fun was taking a scary turn. Meanwhile, Sergeant Maloro was sitting in his car on Churchill Hubbard Road, gripping the steering wheel hard as he could, his car bathed in a painfully bright light. He opened the car door and stepped out, his hand on his pistol, and he tried to look into the sky over the wooded lot that he faced. But the light was so intense, he had to shield his eyes. There was no way he could look directly at it. He could only look to the side. At first, he couldn't see a shape. He only had a general guess that the object seemed to be the size of a football field. And as others had reported, it wasn't moving and it wasn't making noise. There was no way this thing was a plane or a helicopter, he thought. Then suddenly, the object began to move. The motion was enough to give Malero the impression that the craft was oblong, even saucer-like. And that's when his car restarted. As he stood outside his cruiser, the engine turned over, and the police radio inside started up as well, full of chatter, because by now, lots of folks were aware of this object in the sky. One voice broke through all the rest. It was Roy Ann, desperately asking 998, that was Sergeant Malero's call sign, to report in. Roy Ann was relieved when she finally heard the familiar voice of Sergeant Malero, but annoyed when all he could say was he needed time to collect his thoughts. Truth be told, he was overwhelmed. How could he explain what just happened to him? And he certainly didn't want to say it over the radio. So when he got his thoughts together, he did the same thing Roy Ann had done with him when she needed him to check it out. He pulled out the phone and reported in, telling her, it was a UFO. I saw it. 
Royanne could hardly believe he would admit that, but she swung into professional mode. What did it look like? What was it doing? What direction was it heading? By now, she wasn't the only dispatcher collecting information. Police officers from other townships covering a nearly 10-mile range were reporting the object in the sky. Hubbard Township, Bloomfield Township, Girard, Howland Township, Hartford Township, and the Trumbull County Sheriff, they were all sharing their experiences. Sergeant Malero wanted to see more. He jumped back into his car, activated the lights and sirens now for the first time, and peeled away in the direction of the thing that he had dared to call a UFO. He could hear the chatter on the radio. There were jokes. One officer asked if he should set his phasers to stun, using the jargon of the TV series Star Trek. Others were relaying details, describing lights of various colors. One officer from Brookville Township climbed up an old radio tower to get a bird's eye view of this thing. He gave a vivid account of the colors. He distinctly saw red, yellow, green, and blue. He could see its saucer shape and described how something was hanging from the main body of the object, almost like a parachute. Over the radio, he was recorded saying, Oh my God, wait a minute. Oh my God, I hope that's a plane. Please be a plane. Please be a plane. I ain't ready for this. By now, dozens of area residents were seeing the same thing. They had walked out of their homes to try and figure out what was bathing their neighborhood in this bright light. So for the second time, Royanne called the control tower at the Air Reserve Base again. She passed on more details. Are you sure this isn't yours? And are you sure you can't see it on radar? She asked the tower. Again, the voice at the airbase denied owning it or seeing it. The man in the tower said, I don't see anything, and I'm 70 feet in the air. Sergeant Malero couldn't help but wonder if the military was purposely hiding something. Multiple police departments and multiple civilians were all looking at it. Clearly, something was there. The dispatch center called other agencies. Did the hospital have a life flight helicopter in the air? Did the FAA at the Youngstown Airport know anything? They even called the NASA Research Center in Cleveland. And NASA offered up the idea that the planet Mercury was kind of bright that night. Royanne had heard enough. The dispatch room was in the basement of the safety center, but there was no way she was ending this night only listening to these reports and not seeing it for herself. She asked a police officer to swing by and pick her up and, defying the rules, jumped into the cruiser and went with him down Route 82, where the lights were still visible in the distance. The officer pulled to the side of the road and got out of the car with Royanne, where they surveyed the object with a pair of binoculars. They saw something dangling from the bottom, as another patrolman had described, and for the moment, the craft was still perfectly still, hovering over the trees with no noise and no movement. And then, in a heartbeat, the object flashed and was gone, as if it shot off at such a high rate of speed they weren't even certain of the direction. 
No noise accompanied the sudden departure. It was just gone. After all was said and done, people started distancing themselves from what had happened. Royanne Rudolph and Sergeant Toby Malero never denied what they saw, but others did, especially when officers and dispatchers who weren't working that night began to tease them endlessly. Sergeant Malero said, Everybody denied seeing anything or knowing anything about anything going on that night. But I felt there was nothing wrong with what happened. This was something that was inexplicable. This was something that happened in the town that I live in. It's the truth. And I can't tell you what it was. I know what it wasn't. I know planes. I know helicopters. I know weather balloons. I know planets. God, if this thing was a planet, I would have gotten a suntan from it. It's one of those things that just baffles you. Roy Ann fell on the side of something associated with that air base, despite the Air Reserve's insistence that the aircraft didn't belong to them. Not only is Youngstown Air Force Reserve stationed in the area, but the region also had the Defense Logistics Agency and the National Defense Stockpile on Niles Warren River Road. It was one of the largest radar air defense installations in the U.S., at least at that time. Sergeant Malero wasn't so sure, but one thing came out of his experience. He no longer dismisses the idea of a UFO out of hand. As incredible as this night was, there was no news about it. Nobody wanted to go on record about it, even though it had consumed several personnel from several departments for several hours. It's quite possible that they remembered that 1966 case from Portage County. Police officers, a police chief, and a pair of deputies in neighboring Portage County spotted a UFO with some of them chasing the thing all the way into Pennsylvania before, as in the Trumbull County encounter, The object zoomed off in a flash after hours of a cat-and-mouse game. And remember how I told you NASA suggested Trumbull County might have been looking at mercury? In that Portage County incident, an investigator with Project Blue Book from the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton concluded the Portage County deputies had been chasing the planet Venus. There was so much press in the Portage County case, leading to so much stress in the lives of the witnesses that they stopped talking about it, changed their phone numbers, and in the case of one deputy who felt his life had been destroyed, had him moving to the other side of the country. We did a podcast episode on that case, by the way. Look it up. We called it the Great UFO Chase. As a matter of fact, the Trumbull County case didn't go that way. As a matter of fact, The only reason we even know about it is because a UFO researcher named Kenny Young came across it by accident, and he put it in a book called UFO Dispute. Kenny Young lived in the Cincinnati area, where he worked for a cable television operation. But in his spare time, he investigated UFO sightings and recordings as the editor of the website UFOResearch.com. In 1996, he was researching a 1988 sighting that happened north of Dayton in the communities of Urbana and Liberty. 
To that end, he called directory assistance to get the phone number of the Liberty Police Department. Back then, you just dialed a zero and someone was on the other line to look up phone numbers for you. But the operator wrongly gave him the number to the Liberty Township Police Department in Trumbull County. He didn't realize that. He called the number he was given, and when someone answered, he asked about the UFO sighting from a few years back. And the person who answered his call said, yes, sir, I believe that was two years ago. Now he was confused. He was looking for a case much older than two years prior. And as he asked the person on the other end of the line questions about it, the answers he was given didn't match what he knew about the case near Dayton. It actually took Kenny Young two weeks to realize he wasn't even talking to the Liberty Police Department near Dayton, but the Liberty Township Police Department near Youngstown, and that they had entirely different incidents. Now, Young's research turned up some interesting details, including the fact that officers appeared to be reporting at least two different objects, maybe even three. He also learned that at one point, a Howland Township police officer drove to the airbase and talked with a security guard there who witnessed the object and still couldn't identify it. Young said he was also told the event came to an end because military fighter jets had been dispatched to check it out. This was never confirmed by the Air Force. But it also reminds me of that 1966 Portage County case in which the sheriff deputies said the object they had followed into Pennsylvania disappeared as they watched fighter jets approach it, something the military also then denied it ever happened. Now, Young also told an interesting story of how he acquired the actual police tapes of the radio chatter that night. He had asked for them, of course, but Trumbull County initially told him they didn't exist and that they didn't have a written record of anything that had happened that night. But he knew from officers willing to talk to him off the record that it did occur. It wasn't until 1998, now that's two years after he began his research and four years after the event, that Young finally got the tapes. He said a county employee had become intrigued by his persistence, went looking for the tapes, and found out that while they were missing, there was a backup recording. Once those tapes were released, there was national interest. Everyone from radio's Art Bell to a special that aired on NBC. Unfortunately, Kenny Young died in 2005 at the age of 35 at Anderson Mercy Hospital in Cincinnati. He had battled for nearly a decade with leukemia. But we owe it to him that we know about this remarkable incident at all. What do you think, Steve? It's crazy to think about how many sightings and and stuff that were kind of covered up. But there's probably a lot of them out there that we have no idea. But since Kenny was able to stumble upon this one, he was able to, you know, shed some light on it. Yeah, I think that's a really good example of how many more cases are, are out there that we might not know about. Normally, this is the part of the podcast where we go to an Ohio mystery listener for the Armchair Detective segment. However, we have a treat tonight. We are going to listen to the 911 dispatch calls 
and police scanner calls from the night of the UFO in Trumbull County. But first, let's listen to a segment from the Art Bell Show back in 1999, where he introduces Kenny Young from Cincinnati, Ohio. This next part is a little muffled, but he is saying Spock from Star Trek. You guys got freaking UFOs over there? Yeah, I'm still thinking they are. Spock's in town. Huh? Spock is in town. Doc is in town. Spock. Spock? Oh, you mean like Generations Star Trek thing? Smart ass. They're all telling they're forming the sequel. They're all filming the sequel right here in Liberty. So, of course, the local news channel got calls about this UFO as well. So now we're going to listen to the local news trying to get a hold of the police to see what they know. Calls are getting out of hand. <laughs> I don't know what it is. If it was, what the hell did they come to Liberty for? There's no intelligence. 
you're flying. It came down and just zooped over it with a big, glowing object. Wow, we got four calls on it. The last guy said it was a fighter plane. This next segment, a lady is calling the Trumbull County Police to report the UFO. The dispatcher at first thinks the lady is the same person who called the news outlet. Hello, my name is Peter Zablocki, and I'm a historian, author, and college professor. I'm thrilled to invite you to check out Evergreen Network's History Shorts podcast. Every Tuesday and Thursday, join me on a journey through time, exploring the little-known and hidden gems of history. In each bite-sized episode, I'll dive into my original research to bring you intriguing historical curiosities you've probably never heard of, uncovering the fascinating stories that have shaped our world. From forgotten figures to overlooked events. And the best part? I've condensed all this historical goodness into manageable chunks, perfect for your on-the-go lifestyle. Whether you're commuting to work or squeezing in a quick break, History Shorts fits into the little time you probably think you don't have. Subscribe now and never miss an episode of the History Shorts podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. History is the greatest adventure story. But does it ever leave you wondering what the women were doing all that time? This is Lori from the Her Half of History podcast, and the answer is that some women were seizing power, or escaping slavery, or spying for their country, or creating artistic masterpieces, while countless others were doing the laundry, getting married, and wondering why their clothes don't have more pockets. If you would like to hear the stories of women doing all of those things, check out Her Half of History at herhalfofhistory.com or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so this is starting to get a little bit more serious. Obviously, the dispatchers thought this was kind of a joke at first, but now they're starting to get a lot more calls. So they dispatch the police. Jurisdiction in our area uh, above 
the Samson Drive Fifth Avenue extension area, I could not give you any kind of uh, traffic, you know, direction that would help you know that area. Do you know of anything that should be in our airspace this time, close to the ground? Uh, right this now, is not a prank phone call. I swear you can call me back uh, and verify. Look at the uh, radar scope, and uh, I go 60 mile diameter of Youngstown, and there is nothing out there. Oh shit! Not even anything else high. We've got no air five, five accounts. So another police officer shows up at a scene that was just called in about a UFO sighting, and he's not seeing anything. The dispatcher also lets him know that FAA did not see anything on the radar as well. However, he lets her know if anybody else calls in, he would like to speak to them personally. We've contacted the FAA administration and uh, warned 
they've advised nothing on the radar scope within a 60 mile radius of Youngstown. They did advise they have no communication with any helicopters or any private owned vehicles, air vehicles. Now, the first officer who's seen something is going to call in and say that he's going to need a few minutes to try to gather his thoughts. information was uh, derived from a certain channel that I, I think did not go out over a scanner frequency, but it nevertheless was recorded on the tape. Okay, so what Kenny is saying here is that the audio you're about to hear did not go out over the public scanner. So you're about to hear some raw footage from the dispatchers to the police. This is pretty good stuff. Well, that's what I told him. I said, this is low to the ground. I said, 
got to pick it up. I said, you know, I said, he goes, well, maybe it's a helicopter. I said, well, I heard from four people something that way the ground would be making a hell of a noise. This thing wasn't making no noise. I know. Because I rolled down, when I found the glove, I rolled yeah. down my window. I didn't hear a sound. The only sound I heard was my car. Well, what was, what was, was it moving or was it just, yeah, it was glowing. It was moving. You could, you could see it like up in the air glowing and getting further away from me. So another officer is about to call in and say he's looking at it right now. While the dispatcher goes out to see if she can see it, we have two cops talking about looking at the UFO.
south off of King's Grave if you're on Henhide. Come on down, you'll see me park. I've been watching this thing through my binoculars. I can't quite make it out. It changes colors from white to red to green. You know, those are colors of planes, but the sucker has not moved. It hasn't gone any direction since I've been watching it. It's good 10 minutes. The dispatcher's going to come back inside and let them know she cannot see it. He's going to offer to come back and get her so she can come down and see it. Battle of Waterloo was one of the most famous turning points in world history. But what happened next? My name's David Montgomery, and I'm the host of The Siecla, a history podcast that tackles exactly that. Join me as I cover France's overlooked century in between Napoleon and World War I. The Siecla, spelled S-I-E-C-L-E, is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and can be found wherever you get podcasts. So after multiple police units watching this UFO, she decides she's going to call the FAA one more time. Can you check that? Let me give you a number to contact, 675-2549. Okay. 
Okay, so finally, we have a clip of the police joking about it. I hope you all enjoyed that. For our Patreon listeners, I'm going to post the full audio on our Patreon page. It's going to be over an hour of these calls that you are listening to right here, but way more. And let me tell you, there's some still fantastic stuff I wasn't able to fit into this podcast. So head on over to our website, ohiomysteries.com, click the Patreon link, consider donating, listen to our special podcasts, we have for our Patreon listeners. That's it for tonight, listeners. For photos, news clippings, and more on this and every episode, hop on over to our website, ohiomysteries.com. And that brings us to tonight's featured Ohio musical artist. Megan Rochelle is a Christian pop singer-songwriter from Akron. And tonight we're sharing her new song, Send Me, about the willing heart it takes to surrender a life to Christ. She said the inspiration comes from Isaiah 6, 8. And here's a quote. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. Megan said, Send me isn't about absolutely being ready or fearless. It's about going despite our emotions, despite our fears, and stepping out in faith, trusting God will make a way. Megan released a new video of her song on July 2. We'll share it on our social media pages later this week. But you can also go find her on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Reddit, and TikTok. And she's got a website, MeganRochelle.com. Send Me is just the beginning. Megan said she's going to be releasing a new song every month for four months to complete an EP she has entitled, It Will Be Okay. Well, let's have another listen to Send Me by Megan Rochelle. And we'll see you here next week for another episode of Ohio Mysteries. You found me in the desert, I was lost, I'm found. You met me where I am, now my heart, it pounds. You find me, find me, find me in the night when my mind is
Welcome to Anthology of Heroes, the podcast that explores the most pivotal moments of history through the eyes of those who lived it. In this podcast, we don't spend our time recounting facts and dates. Instead, we follow in the footsteps of national heroes, kings, or ordinary people who lived and breathed the moments that shaped our world. We're not hemmed in by eras, borders, or religions. Instead, we seek out the tales of those who defied the odds and fought passionately for their beliefs. Whether they're right or wrong is up to you to decide. From Vercingetorix's doomed rebellion against Rome, to Osceola's unshakable war against the USA, all the way up to the inspiring Sobibor concentration camp uprising in World War II, each episode is an immersive listening experience, blending music and sound effects to really draw you into the story. Our episodes go for about 45 minutes, making them perfect for your commute, and are crafted using a wealth of historical sources which I list on our website if you want to learn more. I'm the host, Elliot Gates, and I'm thrilled to have you joining me as we uncover history's hidden gems and illuminate the faded pages of our past. Look out for the Anthology of Heroes podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from.